0: and you guys can be so We all get those surprise gifts at Christmas sometimes, some good, some not so good, right? You, know, you have a child or even a spouse that's uh, excited about giving you a gift, and then you, you open it up on Christmas morning like, oh, it's, 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 a, it's a thoughtful gift. <laughs> not all surprises are good ones. I remember one year I gave my two grandmothers, one I gave a trash can, and the other I gave a frozen Cornish hen. So, you know, the, the look of delight on their face, I'm not sure, was was really genuine, but Last year, you know, the surprise for Christmas was COVID. You know, that's the first time we've ever gone through that kind of thing. This year, the surprise is the lack of supplies, right? All the empty store shelves. You know, not all surprises are good ones. The birth of a baby is uh, generally a good surprise, but not always. Sometimes it's like, oops, what, what just happened? <laughs> thinking back to my, this past week was my birthday, so thinking back to my parents, how I was not a welcome surprise to these uh, unmarried people, you know, <laughs> kind of turn their world upside down. I was not planned. But you think about the other kinds of surprises that come with birth. Uh, sometimes they're not so good, you know, that you, you're you surprised your child is born with some kind of physical disability or, or deformity or some kind of mental challenge and turns your world upside down. It definitely was not something that was planned, you know. Uh, maybe um, you try to prepare for for things but you're just not in control I think about in, in most of history parents often had to prepare for the birth of a child knowing that it, it may not survive just might not even make it through in, you know, infancy at all so you, you try to prepare I mean, Penny and I we we started off wanting four children that's what we were planning for and we were excited by the, the, the announcement of both of our children being conceived you know the first one came along and <clears throat> took us seven years <laughs> before we said, we're going to try that again. And the <laughs> second one, excited, but we said, you know, that's enough, too. We're good. Um, both were expected, but still not fully planned because we're not in control. You, you never know when your children are going to come along, if they're going to come along. You don't know how they're going to turn out. You're not, you don't know what they're going to become, but every child is a precious one. Every child is made in the image of God. And that's something the conception of Jesus shows us, right? is the value and sanctity of life. That Jesus was just as much of a human, of a person at conception as He was at birth, as He was as a child, as He was in an adult. In fact, He was just as much God at conception as He was at birth or as a child or as an adult. In fact, in Matthew 1.18 it says this, Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with what? With child, from the Holy Spirit. With child. That's what a woman carries in her womb from the very moment of conception. That's not just a part of her body that magically transforms into a human at some later point, Uh, it's a different person. It's a different body. It's a different DNA. It's a different life altogether. And so that's why biblical believers are pro-life because our God came into this world through the womb of a woman. And that's why we pray that our culture and even now our Supreme Court would recognize this fundamental right to life that every child is created in the image of God. Not every child comes into the world welcome or wanted. And so that's why this year we're doing something a little bit different with our special Christmas offering is we want to support and supply Christians adopting children. That uh, we give many children an opportunity to be raised in a Christian home. Uh, because there are so many children out there. there are, estimates are anywhere between 108 and 120,000 children in the US alone who are desperately in need of adoptive parents. So we, we know not everybody is called or prepared To adopt, but this is something that we can all get behind and support uh, because cost is often the the prohibitive factor. It's a big barrier to a lot of couples wanting to adopt children. Is there's just a lot of -of out-of-pocket expenses, you know, uh, from a few to several thousand dollars. And so everything that we give, starting tomorrow, online or or all the way through next Sunday, on on site, everything is going to go to supply funds so that these. Christian families can adopt children and take care of orphans. you know. And I, I hope you're going to be as generous as you can uh, giving two or three times what you normally do. Can you imagine young Mary being counseled to abort her child? I mean, that's what would happen today, right? Come on, Mary. Uh, don't you understand you're going to lose your family? You're going to lose your fiancé? You're going to lose your reputation? Just get rid of it, and nobody needs to know unthinkable but that that's exactly what she would be counseled today but Mary said no may it be to me as your word is fulfilled so I'm the Lord's servant go ahead did did she have a choice of course she had a choice she could have said no but she counted the cost she understood the consequences of what this pregnancy would mean to her fiance and to her family and to her reputation but she answered, I'm, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to be, be fulfilled. So just amazing faithfulness. That's Mary. But what about Joseph, the man that she has legally pledged to be married to? To Joseph, it definitely was not a welcome surprise. It would have been shocking, appalling. It would have been horrifying. It would have been heartbreaking. Because here you've got these two young people who are anticipating... Uh, the intimacy of knowing one another as husband and wife, all kinds of hopes and dreams for the future, and it's all just crushed with the announcement of Mary's pregnancy. I mean, virginity was a very serious issue because it represents obedience and faithfulness and purity. And God has been clear throughout Scripture that sexual relations were only to be for a husband and a wife after being married sexual relations before marriage has always been wrong it's always been sinful but how much worse to include a third person in the relationship and that's exactly what Joseph had supposed happened. I mean a a young good Jewish man would expect his bride to be a virgin and vice versa I don't think we in, in our morally lax society can appreciate the shame that would have been brought on Mary by this label in that culture, how could she make her fiance believe that she was still a virgin? How could she convince her parents that she had done nothing wrong? How could she face her friends in the synagogue? Nobody was going to believe this story. An angel appeared and the Holy Spirit impregnated me uh, through no physical contact whatsoever. Come on. And so she went away to live with her relative Elizabeth for three months, even though she knew she was gonna to have to come back and face everybody, and all Joseph knew is that my fiance left for three months and she came back three months pregnant. Well, I mean, what do you expect? And you know how those messed up reality shows <laughs> prey on this kind of stuff, like Maury Povich. I mean, that guy has been on the air for 30 years by asking one question, who's the daddy? Right, he'll, he'll bring this pregnant woman up on the stage And um, they'll go through the the paternity DNA test and he'll build up the drama, he'll pull out the big manila envelope with the lab results and he'll say to the man, you are not the father. And he'll do the happy dance all over the stage while the woman runs off crying because obviously she's been discovered to be unfaithful and it's just a sideshow of ridiculousness, but for Joseph. He didn't need anything like that. He knew he wasn't the father. Yes, they were legally pledged in marriage, but had not been consummated yet through through a wedding. And so it was quite clear that the child was not his. I am not the father, which can only mean one thing. She has been unfaithful. How does Mary share that news with him? I mean, imagine that first conversation honey I have some good news and some bad news come on do you expect me to believe that that's not the way things work come on I'm I'm not a fool I mean the disappointment the sense of betrayal Joseph must have felt and what could he do he he can't take her home as his wife anymore because that would be a, a public admission that he had done something wrong it would it would be like a confession that I'm the one that got her pregnant and so what would that do to, to his reputation? How, how would that affect his standing in the Jewish community? Would he be kicked out of the synagogue? How would it affect his carpentry business? He would be shunned. And so Matthew 1.19 says, And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now, he, he had every right in the world to be angry, to humiliate her and harm her publicly by putting her on trial. But Joseph was of noble character, and he did not want to do anything vindictive or spiteful. He wanted to just keep this as private as possible. So this is a good man, and that's why he then receives a good surprise. Going on in verses 20 through 25. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, through Isaiah some 700 years earlier. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So when Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Mary was telling the truth. She was going to give birth to the prophesied Messiah, the one who would be God in the flesh, the only one who would be fully human and fully divine. Now, Joseph would not be the biological father, but God chose him to be the earthly father of his son, and it was crucial, absolutely critical, that Jesus not have a biological father because if he did, he could not be fully divine. But he was, he was fully divine and fully human. That's what qualifies him to be our savior. A mere mortal could not be our savior. And without the virgin birth, you got Jesus as a mere mortal. And you got Mary as immoral, and you got the Bible as fallible. But with the virgin birth, you've got Emmanuel, God with us. God, man, Uh, the, the savior of the world. God took the genetic code of Mary and combined it with that divine genetic code, producing one, the only one, who was fully human and fully divine. He had a completely divine nature and yet was as fully human as you and me. You know, when, when people looked at the face of Jesus, he reflected some of the characteristics of Mary. Right? They never once looked at Jesus and, like with most. Children, Does he look more like his mother or his father? Because he didn't look anything like Joseph. He looked only like Mary. So you know that he had to grow up in an environment where there was constant scandalous gossip. There was always a cloud of suspicion. There would be the whispers of adults and the name-calling of other children. And I don't think we can begin to imagine what Mary and Joseph had to endure. And we also can't help but admiring them because they both exhibited that kind of incredible devotion to the Lord, a willingness to do whatever the Lord wanted regardless of the cost. You know, Mary and Joseph must have wondered why us Why did God choose us, right? Those aren't the kind of people that anybody would have chosen or expected to be the parents of God's Son. I mean, wouldn't we have chosen somebody who is more mature? I mean, Mary is probably a teenager. Joseph, probably not much older. We would have chosen somebody more experienced with children. How many here are firstborn? Firstborn practice kids, we're, we're the ones that, that our parents try to figure out what not to do, right? And so they finally get it right by the second or third child. We wouldn't have made Jesus the firstborn in his family. We would have let them gotten their practice out first. But we would have chosen more educated parents, more influential, important parents, wealthy parents who could give their child every advantage, who could bring their child up in the best of circumstances, but no. God chose instead these poor, unimpressive nobodies, this unknown young woman and her laborer husband, this carpenter from, from nowhere. I mean, well, who would think of such people to bring up the Son of God? Think of, think of the great world leaders throughout history. Think of all of our presidents have generally been men of of. Influence. They come from important families that are wealthy and have the best of everything. It's very rare that you would find a backwoods rail splitter like Lincoln rise to become president. That doesn't happen very often. You would expect God's son to be brought up in better circumstances than that, in privilege and influence. But no, he chose Mary and Joseph. Why? Well, it seems to do it. It has to... It's got to be their character. It's got to be their righteousness, their obedience, their faithfulness to the Lord. They carefully obeyed the command of God. For example, to maintain their sexual purity before marriage. Young people, imagine if Mary had been sexually promiscuous, she would have missed out on being the most blessed woman of all time. She would have missed out on the opportunity to bear the Son of God. the same with Joseph. If he had been sexually impure, he would have missed out on the opportunity to raise the Son of God. God doesn't need superstars. He needs servants. He wants to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. People like you and me, I'm astonished that God has used somebody like me because who am I? I'm nobody. I'm nothing special. But here's the way it works. When God uses people like you and me, he gets all the glory. People look at us like, oh, they didn't do it. That's a God thing, man. God gets the glory for it. And in fact, that's all he's got to work with anyway. God doesn't use the the rich and famous, powerful people of the world because they're usually too proud. It's very rare for somebody like that to submit themselves to the Lord. And that's our big idea, is God can use you and me if we're faithful. Now, we don't really know much more about Joseph beyond the nativity story. He kind of drops out of the picture for the most part. I mean we know that he and Mary did procreate some children of their own. They had at least four sons and a couple of daughters. And he provided for them. He raised them in a home where they, they had their needs cared for through his carpentry work. Uh, he raised them in the faith because he took them to Jerusalem every year to celebrate the Passover. We know about the one story of Jesus when he's 12 years old, and they take him to Jerusalem, and they, they forget him, you know they leave him behind, and they have to search for him for three days but that's the last we hear of Joseph. Nobody really knows what happened to him. Many speculate that he probably died while Jesus was still somewhat young because you never hear about him anymore. In fact, probably leaving Jesus in charge of the family as a young adult taking over the carpentry business. You remember when Jesus was on the cross he looks down and there's his mother and he he leaves Mary in charge uh, of uh, uh, He leaves John in charge of his mother to take care of Mary. Why? Well, apparently Joseph wasn't around to do it. But what we do know is that Joseph fulfilled the role God gave him day in and day out, behind the scenes, doing it all for the glory of God. Amazing faithfulness. What about you? Are you doing what God has called you to do? Day in and day out, faithfully doing his work for His glory. Like Joseph, you know, you, we, we can be presented with unplanned circumstances. You know, circumstances not of our own making. Things we would have never chosen for ourselves. But God said, that's okay. Don't fear. I'm here with you in it. I'll help you through it. I can use you if you'll remain faithful. Maybe life is not turning out the way you planned. This is not the kind of life you would have chosen, but here you are. What are you going to do with it? God is still with you in in whatever your circumstances, the good surprises and the bad surprises. And He can use those things, those surprises, to shape you in ways that you would have never imagined. You know, earlier this year, Larry King died. I mean, the guy was like 150 years old. I mean, this this guy's like interviewed everybody on the planet, every important, influential, famous person. Larry King has interviewed them all, but he was once asked, if you had the opportunity to interview one person throughout all of history, who would it be? Who do you suppose he answered? So I would like to interview Jesus Christ. And the interviewer followed up, well, what would you ask him? Larry King says, I would ask him, if he was indeed virgin-born? Because his answer to that question would define history for me. And he's right, you know. I mean, Larry King knows now. I I hope he knew before he passed the truth because the virgin birth is directly tied to who Jesus is and what he came to do. That uh, he was the only one qualified to be Savior because he was first God in the flesh, fully divine, fully human, but he was also qualified through his life that he lived the perfect life. He was perfectly obedient to his parents, perfectly obedient to the Father, perfectly faithful to the work God gave him to do. The perfect man. In fact, Hebrews 4.15 says, we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet was without sin. He's been through every kind of temptation that we have, but the only one to conquer, to be victorious over every temptation. And that's why he's able to make you and me righteous. We can't be righteous on our own. We can't affect it through our own self-efforts and and self-help improvement. Jesus has to make us righteous. That's why He came, to do for us what we could not do for ourselves, to die in our place as our substitute, to take the penalty, the punishment that our sins deserved. And He rose from the dead to give us power to live victoriously for God, to to, to fill us with the Holy Spirit who actually enables us to live an obedient life. So don't wait and delay for a later time to come to Christ when you've worked on yourself more and you've become a better person. God says, come as you are right now and let me begin the work of changing you. Only he can forgive you and strengthen you to live for the Lord. It was very surprising the first time Jesus came. He came in a way that nobody was expecting. But you know what? There's an even bigger surprise coming one day. It's when He comes a second time. The second coming will be very different from the first. It won't be in some obscure, faraway corner of the earth in a dark corner in a manger. as a baby. Jesus is going to split the sky open and descend in majesty, glory, and power. And every eye on the planet we'll see Him. And every knee will bow before Him. And it will be a big surprise for most of the world. It will be very unexpected. Jesus said, you don't know the day or the hour. And yes, we don't know when it's going to happen, but it's not going to catch us by surprise. Why? Because we're living for Him. We're ready for Him to come back today because we're living in faith and obedience to Him. And if you're not, then when He returns... It's not going to be a welcome surprise. It is not going to be a good surprise. But if you're living for Him, you're ready to go at any moment. I hope you can say that today. If you've not yet given your life over to Christ, that's the best thing you can do. Because guess what? You are not in control of your life. You cannot plan out the rest of your life. Forget it. God's already got a plan, and you may not even live to see tomorrow. Jesus may come back today at any moment. Will you be ready? You can be. You can. It'll be a surprise, but a good one if you say, I'm ready to follow Jesus. I want to repent of my sin. I want to be forgiven for all I've ever done. I want to be baptized into Christ. Bury my past, be cleansed of my sins and rise up with Him to a new life and know where I'm going. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know what surprises are around the corner for me. I don't know what good or bad awaits, but I know God's going to be with me and He's going to help me and use me and bring me to my eternal home. You can do that today if you're ready. Come up during the next few moments when the music is playing. I'm going to have some friends up here who can pray with you, answer your questions. Go ahead and ask the tough questions. Talk about the hard topics. We're not afraid of that. We want to help you take your next step. We want to help you be baptized into Christ today. Whatever it is you need to do. If you're online watching, text your name, email us. You can do that here too as well. We'll get back to you as soon as possible because this is the most important thing you can do today. Now, if you're already a believer, then there are other ways you can respond. You can, talk talked about giving, right? You can give through the app or online, you can give um, in the mail, or you can give in the boxes at the back. And remember, everything you give today is going to go toward helping us win more people in Downriver to Christ, including one more who was baptized into Christ last week, right? We celebrate that because that's why we do what we do. We want to take as many people to heaven with us as we can, um, But remember, starting tomorrow for the next week leading up to next Sunday, everything you give is going to go toward funding those adoptions. What a blessing it will be to some children that they'll be able to grow up in a home where they can know, love, and serve the Lord. Now the way we respond right now is through communion, and if you're a believer in Christ, we invite you to share in the communion. Hopefully, you picked it up before you came in. Every week, grab one of those little cups and uh, has a bread in it, because the bread reminds us of Christ's body, sacrificed for us, beaten for us. The the juice represents His blood shed for us. It's the again the sacrifice that He made in our place. And so when we eat and we drink, it's a it's it's a proclamation of our belief in the good news of Jesus it's it's a confession of our need for a Savior it declares our the value of our fellowship together but if you're not yet a Christ follower use this time to reflect to think about where you stand with God maybe what's keeping you distant from God everybody can use this time to pray but I want you to pray about another thing and that's next week in the week in the week after Next week, we're going to talk about the surprise witnesses. We're going to talk about those shepherds and wise men and those two old prophets. And then we got Christmas Eve and Eve, Eve coming up. And I hope that you're praying for people to join you here. Um, that you're calling them. You're sending them texts. You're sharing posts with them. You're handing them invite cards. We've got stacks of those out in the lobby. I hope you hand a bunch of them out. Send them to that website, christmasanddownriver.com. Let's do all we can to share Jesus with people. Let's pray about that. In fact, right now, you just go ahead and pray silently and ask ask God to bring to your mind the names of family, friends, or uh, anybody else that needs Jesus, that needs a church home. Go ahead and pray for them by name. Father, that you will give us uh, the boldness and the words and the opportunity, the open doors to invite these people, Lord, to know Jesus or to come to church, to be exposed to the message of, of the meaning of Christmas. God, I pray that you will help us to, to remain faithful in obedience in the good times and the bad when the, the good surprises, the bad surprises God, that we will just keep our faith focused in on you and that you can use us for great things Lord in the midst of all the unplanned things in our lives we know that you're still working and you have a plan for each person here thank you most of all for making us righteous for doing for us what we couldn't do for ourselves for cleansing us of our sins and filling us with your spirit so that we can actually live more righteously that's what we recognize in this time of communion thanking you for Jesus in his name amen